It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you. We're taking your calls at 801 575 8255. You can text us at 57500. Ton, our next listener says they've had problems with quail and pheasants pecking at their tomatoes, so they've tried bird netting, and they're wondering if there's anything else they could do. They could use something more sturdy. They could try maybe floating row cover and have it secured really well to whatever framing they have in there. I've seen some people actually go to excuse me, hiccups this morning for some reason. We're going to get all the <laughs> advice on how to get rid of them. But uh, you could go to maybe a metal mesh screen mm-hmm. over the top of the... Uh, the framing, but it's going to have to be secure so the birds can't get in. And so it may be that you have to, you know, a pheasant's not that strong, but a pheasant would be able to get maybe through some cheap plastic ne- uh, bird netting to where it wouldn't be as likely to get through something thicker. So, okay, good option. Uh, Jan is on the line in Taylorsville. Good morning, Jan. What's your question? Uh, when we had the really heavy, well, I guess we've had it a few times, but the really heavy snow, we got like 12 inches of really, really heavy snow, and um, which was hard on a lot of our trees. And I didn't notice one. You know, we went out and cut it off and some of them, but there was one tucked back in that I didn't notice. It's our Miss Kim lilac tree, and it actually broke off um, like four or five branches of the tree. There's still branches on it, but they're on the east side. On the west side, the branches broke off. Am I going to have to pull that tree out, or will uh, a Miss Kim Lilac regenerate from the branches that are still there? It will regenerate from the branches that are still there. You may prune the branches that were broken off completely and then take the other branches that are still there, and as they grow out... You may have to prune them back a little to keep it in balance and then send let the shoots that are sending out new growth grow in the direction where you had the broken branches. Okay. All right. I would just make me sick because it's, it's well-rooted. It's well, probably five years old and um, a very pretty tree, but half of it's now broken off. Yeah, you're just going to have to let it recover. So sorry to hear about that, Jan. Thanks so much for your call this morning. Uh, Next listener, Tana, wants to know, are there different levels of quality relative to artificial turf? Uh, They want to replace their grass and their parking uh, this year, but they don't want it to look too out of place. Well, you're going to be paying a lot of money for good artificial turf. And it's just something that, you know, it's an investment up front, and then you'll get a number of years out of it. But I think you're going to get what you pay for. I know like Home Depot and Lowe's will sell art- artificial turf, but the quality 
may not be to where a commercial installer would have. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that they're going to have to research a little further. Some of it's going to depend on how much foot traffic it gets, you know, because there's all sorts of like the old fashioned AstroTurf that you would glue to the top of cement mm-hmm. that was only a quarter of an inch like you would use for a putting green to artificial turfs that have the artificial blades, I guess, about an inch and a half to two inches long. And they're going to have to do a lot of research, but I think they're going to get what they pay for. Okay. Suzanne is in Murray. Good morning, Suzanne. What is your question? I bought a bare root plant of this new Itoth peony. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, It's a bare root, and I left it in the garage, which is about 40 degrees. It has red sprouts on the top that have not opened. How do I treat that at this point in time? I don't want it to break dormancy too early. I would leave it out there and maybe move it a little closer to your garage door where it's a bit colder. Oh, okay. And that you don't want it to freeze, but move it so it's three or four degrees colder, hopefully. Make sure that the roots stay moist in whatever they're packed in. If it does start to leaf out, you may need to transplant it into a pot and let it root into that pot and then plant it outside later. Oh, okay. All right. One other quick question. With the new cold zone map, are we six or seven? Depends on where you live. The colder areas of the Los Angeles front are six, warmer areas are seven, but we're not really a seven. If we were, we could regularly grow things like pomegranates and right. cold-hardy palm trees. And what it factors down to is that even though our nighttime temperatures are staying zone 7, the daytime temperatures are not. And so in a zone 7, we would regularly be in the 40s and maybe low 50s, and we just don't have it. We just don't have it. So we're really a 6. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, the zone 6 or even a warm zone 5 if you want to be super safe. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks so much for your call this morning. Let's go to Orem, and that's where we find Maureen. And good morning, Maureen. What is your question? Hi. How are you this morning? Doing great. Thank you. Good. Quick question. So I wasn't able to pay too close attention to my my yard last summer. I was mostly mowing and edging and not home a lot, but just trying to keep up on that. And some lovely little bugs decided to take over sections of my yard and have just eaten the grass gone. My question is, when they do that, are they just eating right at the base of the blade that's on the top of the ground, or are they getting down deep in the roots and I need to look at reseeding that those areas? It depends on what was chewing on your lawn. Do you know if it was a beetle or the moths or do you know which? And I, I don't. I just, okay. I, it was kind of late in the season when I got looking. I thought, oh my word, something you, you could just mowing pull or, the grass Yeah, off. when you were mowing or walking on the lawn, did you see little white, white moths flying up? I get my, I get those every once in a while. Yes, they, that's kind of a okay, common so thing. Okay, so you but probably I had sod webworm or cranberry girdler in there. And what I would do okay. is put preventative down in sometime in May, but do it again in July. It says season long, but it's not really. And then I would go and get some grass seed from a local farm store or garden center and broadcast it over the damaged areas so that you can start to re-sprout it. 
Okay, so do they eat down low where they where it won't come? The sod webworm is mm-hmm. mostly upper roots and crowns, but the lawn is still very damaged, and that's why I'm okay. having you put down the grass seed to see if that helps it recover Perfect. more quickly. Okay, okay, wonderful. We'll give it a try. So preventative, like a, a bug killer, a season, killer, well, a season long stuff. lawn grub killer. Okay, and you would do that in May and do it again in late July. Okay. All right. Well, the lawn's pathetic anyway, but now it just is even more Aww. pathetic. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back to just pathetic rather than more pathetic. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, sorry, thank Maureen. you both so much. Uh, Have a good day. You too. Thanks Bye-bye. for your call this morning. We're going to take a break and come back with the final segment of the show. The number for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Phone, loans, fine, phone lines, yes, I can speak, are open. And you can also text us your questions at 57500 and be BYU fans, the Big 12 announced BYU's football scheduled this week, and it means uh, some big games this fall. You want to be listening to Cougar Sports Saturday coming up at noon. It's sponsored by UCCU. Love where you bank. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for this final segment of the KSL Greenhouse. Phone lines, we have one caller on the line, but the phone lines are open. 801-575-8255, the number to call. And let's take a call from Ron in Price. Good morning, Ron. What is your question? Yes, I have uh, a question about uh, coffee grounds, composting them. I heard you say something one time about using uh, cellulose or paper to help break those uh, coffee grounds down. Well, it's just good to mix them together because the coffee grounds are richer in nitrogen and the cellulose or the paper or whatever it is, is not. And so when you get a variety of things in the compost pile and not all the same thing, it usually breaks down more quickly and oftentimes you get a slightly better product. Okay. I use a lot of uh, sawdust from my uh, wood shop. Uh, does that help it break down? Or it actually takes it- longer because of even though that sawdust has been the you know chopped finely, it is a lot of lignin and cellulose. And so, let's say you're in the middle of the summer, what you would want to do is mix that sawdust one to one with fresh grass clippings. So you have fifty percent green and fifty percent brown, and then turn them. And you may need some more grass clippings to mix in as it goes along, but sawdust in and of itself will make a really good compost. It just takes longer to break down. I, I, I'm not worried about the time to break down, just the quality that 
and yeah. being able to use it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as long as it wasn't from pressure-treated lumber, you're good. Right. Right. Uh, grass clippings with, uh, with weed seeds and stuff, is that use that or? Weed seeds, no, because you'll be, unless you are sure that you're getting that compost above 140 to 150 degrees for several days, the weed seeds will come through and you'll be reseeding right. those. And so I prefer to cut the weeds down before they go to seed, or if they've gone to seed, cut the seed heads off, throw them away, and then compost yeah. everything. Unfortunately, my lawn has a lot of weeds in it, so I, that's why yeah, I... Yeah, as I long as there's not a lot of seeds, you're okay. Okay. But but any any uh green vegetation chop that up and put it that Absolutely. In there. Yep. And as long as if you you can buy a compost thermometer or soil thermometer fairly inexpensively yeah. online 15 20 bucks yeah. and just yeah. you can stick that in the middle of the pile every day and if it's above 140 or 150 for 7 to 10 days you're even with weed seeds in there you're golden. Okay. Very good. All right, Ron. All right, I, Appreciate that. And uh, Tom, the suggestion on the hiccups, salty uh-huh. water. Salty water, that'd, huh? Salty water, that would help two things. That will keep you salty and help the, with the hiccups. <laughs> Thanks, Ron, for your suggestion. Right. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for your call. Yeah. And speaking of salty, we do have a message on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Someone's asking about their blackberries. The blackberries toward the base of the plant, that the plants that are shaded are not ripening in time and it's just a complete lack of sunlight and more sunlight means the berries would ripen more and so if you wanted to watch some videos on how to prune raspberries then with what we what you're doing is cutting out all the two-year-old canes and leaving the one-year-old canes behind that may open them up enough that even those berries at the base of the plant would ripen All right. Next listener says they have some big dirt patches in their lawn due to the drought and the winter, and they want to know your best advice for repairing this damage. So they have big dirt patches that were in the lawn is what you said? Big dirt patches in their lawn because of the drought and winter. Well, they need to figure out why the lawn died out and fix that before they just go put more seed down. Lack of water. Lack of water. So... Reseed. One of the things. Yeah, one of the things. I would reseed them. This, you know, If there's no snow on the ground, you could reseed it right now, and the seed will just come up in the spring. But I would reseed it or top dress it with seed and see if that helps out. Oftentimes, your lawn will go dormant, and it looks dead, but it's just fine. The roots are, and the next spring, it comes up as normal. So more grass seed down, and then just see what happens. Next listener wants to know, first of all, is there a sod that's best for dogs? Like, is no. are they all made the same? <laughs> There's a turf on, we need that, a made that High Country Garden sells. It's called Doggo or Dog, uh-huh. Dog Love or something. But it's a hybrid Bermuda grass. And so it's not technically illegal, I don't think, because the state's only specified the species and not the hybrids thereof. Mm-hmm. And so I've known of quite a few people to buy plugs from High Country Gardens, and I was only going to be green for three or four months. But that particular turf is supposed to tolerate dog traffic, but you don't want to put your entire lawn into it. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting into a gray area, and if UDAF's listening, I'll just have them 
turn the radio off for 30 seconds. So, <laughs> but yeah, there's, I mean, that's the only one I've ever seen. People I've talked to have had limited success with it, but it is a Bermuda. And because it's a hybrid, I don't know that it's illegal. Okay. Uh, the other part of their question is what is the best way to establish sod? Good preparation. So anything you do to plant seed, you have to do for sod. And so you're tilling the soil, leveling it really well. You might even water it in a couple of times to make sure there's no low spots where the soil was extra fluffy or it sunk where the pipes are. Mm -hmm. And once you've done that, and you, if you have the money, put in a couple of inches of compost and then lay the sod over the top once you've got that compost incorporated in and then water you know, like you would for new sod. And that should get them going. You might want to fertilize when the sod goes down too. When do they want to do that? Oh, Since they've got the whole season ahead. Well, I, the two best times to do that are in April and May and then again in mid to late August. And a lot of the sod companies are booked out for several months. So I would call them and get on their waiting list and see if you can either schedule, if they're not too far out, something for May or something for mid-August. And maybe train the puppy to go potty if in you're some installing area yeah. or something so that you don't have to worry about them going Yeah, new lawn. sod. Just do a, 10, a 5 by 10 or a 10 by 10 gravel area. Train the dog to go to the bathroom there, and that will save a lot of headaches. Now, if the dog's trailing back and forth all the time along the fence, barking at people, barking at cars, and that's its main run, nothing will hold up to that. So reseeding's not going to help because they're going to be trampling it before it ever grows. And and the soil becomes compacted. Yeah. We love our animals so much. They're like members of the family, but they're not so great when it comes to lawns. If you do something like that and that dog is going back and forth, one thing you may be able to do is do a shrub bed and extend it out far enough, maybe with gravel in it that won't hurt the dog's paws, and let them run back and forth on the gravel and le- so that it leaves the grass intact. I say put in a walkway where they're running back yes. and forth because yeah. your lawn is just never going to be the same, right? Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. So tell us about the tomatoes that you're going to be uh, put uh, well, growing from seed. I don't have all the exact varieties with me, but I have ordered off of Amazon from Park Seed. A couple different companies, three or four different varieties of windowsill tomatoes. They're meant to be grown indoors, and they only get about a foot to 18 inches after about a year Mm -hmm. in height. And then they will produce tomatoes. They're indeterminate, but just really short growing. And so they produce tomatoes for a lot of the season, slow down in the winter, but they still have a few. And so the reason I'm doing this is I'm looking at methods for people to grow food that have very limited space. And so I found these and I found a little miniature tomato that looks like cousin it that gets about 18 inches to two feet long. And so I'm going to play with that one. And I know that they're not going to be productive enough to can or preserve. But if you live in an apartment and have a South window or grow lights, it could be that you get enough tomatoes for a salad or for such things for cooking, it's off kind of a few your research, of them. It is, is to see how you so, can help those folks who do live in I, yeah, smaller spaces. Using some of my programming money, I purchased a light bench 
that has it's like a bookshelf so it has three or four levels on it plus i have a table and so i'm going to start these different varieties out and i have the extra space so i can transplant them but i've been super busy and haven't been able to but it's also about time to start them as i've talked about i'm using a light bench next to a window so that i'm getting kind of double light from the window plus the the lights from the bulbs and i've had pretty good success doing that yeah are you going to use heat mats with these heat mats to start them and then i'll turn them off once they're established in two or three inches high so I can get them through risk of a disease called damping off that oftentimes kills them if they're too wet and too cool. You mentioned earlier in the show that if you were going to plant petunias or planter uh, baskets, uh, you need to do that right away if you haven't done it already because they take about 12 weeks to grow. They do. So get them in and they'll be up to size by mid-May, but they may not be flowering yet, but they'll be up to size and you can plant them. They're some of the longer ones to get established. But the normal time for probably 50 to 60% of the flowers is between six and eight weeks before your average last frost. Mm -hmm. So for us, that's mid-March to early April on the Wasatch Front. And then late March, excuse me, early April to mid-April in the colder mountain valleys. Uh, Next person says they have two pine trees dying from the top down. Why would that be? Drought stress and borers or engraver beetles, which get right under the bark and chew up the conductive tissue, but they're growing from the top down. That's almost always some sort of engraver beetle. And how would they determine that? They would need to get somebody like an arborist that's qualified in diagnostics to climb up there and look. If the trees aren't too tall, a lot of times the bark will peel off and they'll see the galleries underneath where they've been chewed, and a lot of times you'll see sawdust. Mm-hmm. Just a minute left in the show. People are planting vegetable seeds right now. Which which vegetable seeds should be going in? Uh, the cool season stuff is getting pretty close to. So the broccoli, cauliflower, lettuce, um, cabbage, the microgreens that you would use that even if you want the cooler, t- cold tolerant microgreens, those are going to be indoors, but those can start going in. The onion should have been planted in mid-January. So if you haven't and you're doing them from seed, you need to get those in quickly because they need to be out by mid to late March so they can take advantage of the long day lengths and that will help them size up. So those are a few that you would start putting in in the next week or two. All right, Ton, have a nice weekend. You too. All right, this is KSL AM, Salt Lake City, KSL FM, Midvale. And you can always check out the KSL Greenhouse in podcast form. All you need to do is go to kslnewsradio.com. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.